Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. We're talking about influence through sacrifice this morning. And so our scripture comes out of Joshua 5. Starting in verse 1, you can follow along on the screen. It said, As soon as all the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gebeth Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give them, to, to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the, repro- the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Hey guys, Uh, like Missy said, thank you so much for everyone who participated in Mystery Mountain. Thank you for like all the volunteers Tuesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night, all the way from setup to cleanup. Uh, I just want to say a special thank you to all those who are involved in in making it happen. For those of you guys who don't know what it is, uh, it was this awesome walkthrough narrative we did in St. Jamestown in the New Common Space to just share the gospel with people this past week. And it was a pretty big production, right? And so it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was just, it was really cool to be a part of it. So thank you to, just want to let you guys know who the team is, who, who to really thank on this. Um, I, I couldn't believe the idea that we started with and the vision that, that just like the little seed of idea I had here was, came out like it did. So if you were there, like, ah, oh, it was just amazing. So Charmaine, who's in Kid City today, 
she was a big part of that. Uh, Adam, Jonathan, Missy, um, you guys, this, that, that core team was really awesome in just helping everyone know what they're supposed to do and all that. And, and those of you guys who participated, thank you for like doing that and, and being okay with not being perfect. Because we already have a Google, Doc, a Google Doc going with all the improvements that we can do for next time we do something like this. So thank you for that. And if you want to contribute to that Google Doc, talk to Jonathan about it. And, um, and we'd love to hear what, what we can do better next time. Uh, like Missy said, it was a pretty nasty Halloween. Like, right? I mean, we took our girls trick-or-treating, and it was still really ugly and really, just really, um, yeah, it was windy, it was rainy. Uh, and, but for most of the Halloweens we've been here, it's, it's been like that. And we don't, <laughs> yeah, we don't really, like last year was an amazing Halloween night. Uh, but we don't, uh, we don't celebrate Halloween necessarily. We just take our girls trick-or-treating. We try to take this secular, secular holiday and, and redeem it by getting free candy from people. So, <laughs> so we don't have to spend our own resources, God's resources he's given us on candy. <laughs> we just get it from other people, right? Uh, so but for the past few years, we've, we've taken our girls trick-or-treating. And so I want to walk you through those years. I have a few pictures here. I, I usually dress up with the girls for Halloween. So this is our first, this is probably about f five years ago. Um, my girls are eight and nine now. This is the year of Batman Begins. Uh, we, we went out that night, we got Anna and Elsa there and uh, went out trick-or-treating. And uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, this is us the next year. As if you're a parent in here of a toddler, what is this? Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Sing the song. Yeah, this is, you'll, if you're not, you'll learn this when you, come, when you become a parent, or if you have nieces, nephews, uh, grandkids, Archie, you got, no, no, not yet. Yeah. Uh, so we got Everest on the left, and Sky, and then I dressed up as Ryder. So if you know Ryder from that show, he's got a little track suit on, or track jacket. All right, next one. Um, <laughs> Who, so, girls want to be fairies? Well, who knows what I am? Yeah, that's right. This is Ramses from Nacho Libre in the suit with the, with the Lucha Libre mask on. Yeah, that freaked basically every kid out on the street. Uh, yeah, go, next one. This is last year. <laughs> that freaked every kid out on the street. <laughs> So we, we decided, so there was a first year Missy decided to dress up with a family. And so we did a family theme. So we got the, the lion, the scarecrow, Missy's Dorothy, that's her old like uh, ballet costume when she did ballet. And then the Tin Man with that creepy mask. Um, that, that was awesome. That freaked so many people out. Like, it just scared, they thought I was a statue. Uh, so and then, and then this past year, this is us. It's hard to see, but that's Batman again. So Dark Knight Rises right there. Uh, Missy was Catwoman, because the girls want to be cats. There's my nieces in the middle there. Um, so we did Batman and Catwoman. And check this picture out that Jonathan took on my street. So like, so guys, this is the, this is, I stood on the street, this car was coming behind me, and Jonathan's like, hey, let's take this picture. So that lighting and the street is all real. And then Jonathan added the bat signal up the top and, the, and, the, and Gotham in the background, right? How cool is that? 
Um, that eight pack of abs on my, that's, that's not edited. That's, that's real. That's a real eight pack. So that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's been our Halloween. And so the, going back to the very first year, you can take the pictures off now. Going back to the very first year, when the girls dressed up as Anna and Elsa, we got home, we put all our candy on the floor, and, or they put all their candy on the floor. And, uh, you know, we're going through it, and that's the fun part, right? You kind of go through your candy and see what you got. And there's a couple hundred pieces of candy there, right? And, and I pick up a little bite-sized Kit Kat, and I eat it. That's like the best thing in there, Kit Kat. So I, so I eat it, yeah, yeah, right? Oh, so I eat it, and you should have seen the girls' faces. They th it, was, it was almost like I had just done like the, the worst thing I could possibly do to them. They were livid that I ate a piece of their candy. <laughs> they freaked out. And they're four and five years old at this time. And, and I called them down and I said, hey, hey girls, um, how did you get that candy? And they said, oh, well, we went to people's houses and they gave it to us. I'm like, okay, so who took you to get that candy? And they say, well, you and, and mommy did. And I'm like, and who has the power to get you more candy? <laughs> and they say, you and mommy do. And I said, that's right. So I can eat whatever I want. <laughs> no, I said, that's right. I just want you to know that we love you. And we want what's good for you. And we did this with you. And I dressed up too, so. <laughs> but you know, a lot of us are like that with God. We're just like Emerson and Reagan, who we have this little piece of candy and we can't let it go. And we miss God because of it. We're just like that. And, and we forget that God's the one who gave us the way to get whatever he is in our hand, the piece of candy in this in this instance. God's the one who, who let us have that. God's the one who took us to get it. He made the way. Right? God's the one who has the power to give us more. He's the one who made the candy. Right? God's the one who wants to do it with you. He wants to come alongside you and do it with you. And we're like, no, God, you cannot have this piece of candy. I have all this. I'm going to hoard it to myself. And we're like, no, no, God. And we're just like that in our relationship with God. We don't, we don't want to sacrifice. We're afraid to sacrifice. We're afraid to give up what God's already given us. And we don't even recognize he gave it to us. And when we do that, we actually miss out on the giver because we're focused on the gift. And that's the bottom line of sacrifice today that we're going to talk through throughout the sermon. And so, yeah, to up the bottom line there, it's, it's sacrifice allows you to experience who God is, not just receive what God gives. Okay? Sacrifice allows you to experience who God is, not just receive what God gives. If you're satisfied with just what God gives, then you're going to hold on a piece of candy, and it's going to melt in your hand, and it's going to be worthless at the end. You need to come to God open-handed with sacrifice, so that you can actually experience who he is, not just what he gives you, okay? So we're gonna talk about that as we go through uh, this passage that Missy read today, which is a really peculiar passage. It's, 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 uh, 
in these 12 verses, it's one of the top, in these 12 verses, it's, it's one of the top mentions of circumcision over and over and over again in the Bible. And so if you're, if you're new to uh, the faith, if you're new to Christianity, uh, and, and you're like, wow, this passage is all about circumcision, don't fret, we're going to explain why it's talking about this. Or even if you have grown up in the church, maybe you haven't really thought about it before, and, and it's just something you're, you've just become used to hearing. But we're going to talk about what it means and why it's significant, why it's important, because this, this passage shows us how Israel really sacrificed and walked forward in obedience. That's just another word for obedience, guys. We talked about obedience last week. It's just another word that they sacrificed. They heard God's voice and they obeyed, which means they had to sacrifice something many times. When we obey, we're sacrificing something. Uh, we're putting something aside. We're saying, God, we want your way. Your way is best. I'm going to follow that. And, and maybe we put aside our desires, our, our sin, our pride, whatever it is, and we're going to follow God, right? And, and so a lot of times when in the Old Testament, we kind of bash Israel. We're like, oh, they, they forsook God. They forgot him. They sinned against him. They disobeyed us. This is one of the rare passages where they actually step forward in obedience in a very meticulous, amazing way. So that's let, we're, hopefully we're going to read through this and it's going to encourage us to do the same this morning. So verse 1. says, as soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted. That's such a, that's such a um, provocative picture the scriptures are giving us. Their hearts melted. And there's no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. Now, this is, the verse one here is kind of a summary verse that transitions us from chapters one through four to now chapters uh, five through the rest of the book. Because chapters one through four, they're on the other side of the Jordan. They weren't in the promised land yet, right? And they have just crossed the Jordan River, and now it's summing this up and saying, hey, guess what? The people on that side of the Jordan, where they are now in the promised land, they know they've crossed over, and their hearts have melted, and their spirits have left them. All right, and this, is, this, should help, this should remind us back in chapter 2 when Rahab says these very words. She says these words, and, and they're almost prophetic words, and now they've become true here. Now that they're on the, on the other side of the Jordan. So verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, and I know I say this all the time, guys, but I don't know who hears it when I say it, and I don't know who's here when I say it. So if you've heard this before, uh, let, just, let this just be a reminder of, uh, for you. But whenever you see Lord like that in your Bible, whenever it's in all caps, it means Yahweh. It means the name of the Lord, the personal name of the Lord that was given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. You don't always see Lord in all caps like that. Sometimes it's, it's, it's printed regular, and that's a different word in Hebrew. It's not Yahweh. So when you see this, you know that there's a personal, intimate relationship here. It should always indicate that for us, okay? So the Lord, Yahweh, says to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. <laughs> Whenever I read that, I'm like, flint knives, that's, that's not cool. Um, and doesn't flint make fire? 
Maybe I would have chosen a different metal there. <laughs> but he says, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. Now, we're going to see what that means in a second. Uh, verse 3. So Joshua, he made flint knives, and he circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. That name literally means hill of foreskins, which is, <laughs> which is what's about to happen. There's like a million of these out there, right? So, yeah, it's weird, right? So, verse 4, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, they died in the wilderness on the way after they'd come out of Egypt. Okay, remember that. All of the men, they died in the wilderness because they disobeyed. He's in verse 6. Verse 5. Though all the people had come out, and, or though all the people who had come out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. When it says a second time, it's not saying that these guys had already been circumcised and they're getting circumcised again. Right? It's, it's saying that the gener there's a new generation the, the old generation of men had died away. The new generation of men had not been circumcised. So when it says the second time, it's saying something is happening a second time that happened the first time. It's not talking about circumcision, necessarily. That's just a sign of something else. It's talking about the covenant that was renewed. So guys, the covenant has just been renewed, Okay? They've crossed over. There's a covenant renewal, and that covenant renewal, you can see it, you can see it uh, talked about in chapter 8, verses 30 to, to 35. If you want to read about that later, that's the covenant renewal that, that happens here. And, and so the covenant has just been renewed. They have just crossed the Jordan. The covenant was, was renewed, and the circumcision represents that covenant. Right? It's an outward sign a phys outward external physical sign of a spiritual renewal, much like baptism is, right? When we celebrate believers' baptism, the, the water that, that we baptize someone in doesn't save them. It doesn't cleanse them. It's an outward sign that they've been buried with Christ in his death, so they've been covered with the blood of Christ, and they've been raised to walk in new life, right? The resurrection of Christ, right? That's just a sign of something that's happened inwardly. So same thing with circumcision here. It's a sign of the covenant that's been renewed. And they've just said yes to God. They just said, yes, we will follow you. We will obey you. We will do what you say. And that's why the Lord says, all right, now it's time for them to have this sign of circumcision. And <clears throat> here's the thing with circumcision. Israel, they weren't the only nation that, sat, uh, that practiced circumcision. Jeremiah 9 talks about other nations around them, Moab, uh, Edom, and some other nations that practiced circumcision too. So circumcision wasn't unique to Israel. What was unique was that it represented something very spiritual. And two things that represented here. One, go back to Genesis chapter 17 where the covenant is given to, uh, to Abraham. And, and God says this will be a sign for you and for your generations, that all the men will be circumcised. Why? 
Have you ever thought about, have you ever thought about that? Like, why? Why circumcision? Why, why, why all the men? Why, why do this at all? Like, couldn't there be, couldn't baptism had come in at that point? Why, why do we have to do something like this? Well, going back to Genesis 3, the proto-gospel, the early gospel, says that uh, this, is in, this is after the fall, after Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve have taken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and have sinned. Uh, God says, I promise you a rescuer is going to come. A seed is going to come, and he's going to save everybody. And, and I'm paraphrasing there. Uh, the, the, the verse talks about he, the, the serpent will strike his heel, he will crush his head. Right? That's the proto-early gospel. And that one passage, Genesis 3.15, starts to make us look for that person throughout the rest of the scriptures. And that word, offspring or seed, it, you can trace that through the entire Old Testament. And you're looking for that. And, and so we have that word offspring seed. You see that in Genesis chapter 12 where the covenant first comes. And the, and the covenant, the blessing of the covenant is land. It's the promised land. It's blessing, blessing to the nations, and it's seed, it's offspring. So the offspring of Abraham are going to be a blessing to the world, to the nations, by inhabiting the promised land, a nation, right, by inhabiting the promised land, through this offspring, through this seed, okay? And, uh, and the seed comes through the man, okay, like physically. And so you have this this, and it's going to get a little graphic here, but you have this foreskin that's taken off the thing where the seed comes through, okay, to generate offspring. And that's, that may make you a little uncomfortable, but that's like really amazing in the scriptures. That, just think about that. For those of you guys who, who are married, we're going to talk to the married because we're going to talk about sex inside of marriage. So to, to those of you guys who are married and, and have sex inside the confines of marriage, that is an act of worship. It's an act of this seed being multiplied. It's an act of being, be fruitful and multiply from Genesis chapter 1. Uh, you're fulfilling the cultural mandate. So when, and this is going to sound funny, because it sounded funny when I first heard it, when it was first taught to me. But when you have sex, it is an act of worship. To God. I, that's, that's who said amen. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Been married, been married one, two months there, right? He's like, yeah, amen, brother. That's right. I'm like, how, how amazing is that? Like, God has even redeemed that for us. Like, he is, there's a purpose in that for you. That's why, guys, sex outside of marriage is so egregious. Because you're breaking the covenant. You're breaking God's design for what it was supposed to be. Like, it's not. It's, it's way bigger than you. So those of you who have, who have failed in that regard, who have fallen, who have, who have um, had sex before marriage, who are currently in a sexual relationship and you're not married, like, guys, this is way bigger than you. You feel the guilt right now, and, but don't. Don't feel the condemnation. Say, no, I'm better than this. I'm a son of God. And get out of that, because that act is so much bigger. It, it represents this whole covenant that you have been in, that you have entered into. And so, 
in, in circumcision, God is like, this is gonna be the sign. We're gonna take off this because, the second, because of the second thing. Because the second thing is a spiritual part of this is, and, and you can trace this through the scriptures. And so pull up those Deuteronomy verses, Chelsea. This is Deuteronomy 10 and, and Deuteronomy 30. God, uh, it says this, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your hearts and be no longer stubborn. So it has this very spiritual significance to it. So remember, it's this physical act that's supposed to show something spiritual. And it's supposed to show that our hearts have been circumcised, that our hearts have now been freely opened to God. And the Lord God in Deuteronomy 30 will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. So you don't do it yourself. God does it. The Spirit does it. So that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Guys, it's so beautiful. It's so amazing. And it's still kind of weird, right? Like, it's like, but, but it's, just, it's just a really cool thing how you can trace circumcision all the way through. Like, and guess what? You can trace this seed, this offspring, all the way through, but Jesus is born of a virgin, right? Like, I don't know the fullness of what that means, but there's something really beautiful there about why that was necessary. Given all this, we can trace through the Old Testament. So, circumcision, guys. Here's the thing about that passage that we just had up there, and then this passage is that... The people of Israel, and this Jeremiah passage in Jeremiah chapter 9 talks about this, because it says that these people were circumcised physically, but they weren't circumcised spiritually. You can be part of the people of Israel. Like, they, they could have done, there's so many that were part of the people of Israel, but they weren't a part of the people of God. Ah, so many of us, guys, do you know that you can be part of a church and not part of the church. You can be sitting here this morning and, and say, well, I'm around here. Externally, I'm doing the right things. Externally, I'm circumcised. I come to church, I give money, I go, you know, do this, but I live my, the rest of my life however I want to. And it shows that your heart isn't circumcised. So you can be around the things of the church. Uh, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 25. They, they say, Jesus, we did everything you wanted. We did this, we did this, we did this. We, and guys, it, was, it wasn't like we just came to church. It said, we prophesied in your name. We healed people in your name. We did this in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And so you can do all the external stuff, but your heart still be uncircumcised. And for some of us guys, for some of you in here, <clears throat> that, that uncircumcision comes because you can't forgive. It comes because of your own pride. It comes because of the sin that you just keep on doing over and over and over again. And you're taking you're taking the veil that the Spirit has lifted and you're putting it back. You're taking the wall that, that Christ has shattered and you're building it back up. And, and you just can't, I don't know, you just can't sacrifice. You just can't let those things go. And there's so many of us that say, Jesus, you have my life. I've given you my life, but you haven't given him your job. 
because your job determines what you do for the kingdom, not, your, not the kingdom determines what you do for your job. You say, Jesus, you have my life, you can have everything, you have all of me, but you haven't given him your relationships. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your kids, your family, whatever you want to insert into that blank. Because your whole life is centered around that relationship, not around God. You say, Jesus, you can have everything, but you haven't given him your finances. Because that determines what you do. That, that, that is all your worries and anxieties are focused around, or am I going to have enough of this? Am I going to have enough of that? As let me give you a, uh, with finances, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have all you need. You may not have all you want, but you have all you need. That's a promise in the scriptures for followers of Jesus. If you don't trust that, then you don't trust God. Because he says, do not be anxious about these things. I take care of the flowers. I take care of the birds. How much more will I take care of my children? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, he says. You have all you need. So many of us say, oh, I don't have all I need. Well, why don't you turn in that um, $800 phone that you carry around all the time? Right? Like, you know that $800 phone, or however much you spend on that phone? That's more than most people in this world make in a month. And we carry it around every day, right? So, like, just trust God with that. Just trust God that you have all you need. You say, I've given you, uh, Jesus, I want to give you my life, but, but like, your, your, your life is centered around your school right now, or your kids, or your future, or your job. Guys, if you're going to give Jesus your life, you got to give him everything. That sacrifice. And, and you want to you hear from God, you want to follow God, and you're holding on to this little piece of candy. So, so here, this external act, this circumcision, it reveals something internal. Right? Their hearts have been circumcised as well. So verse 6, it says this. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished. They died in the wilderness because they couldn't sacrifice. They couldn't sacrifice their fear in this, in this instance. And they perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us a land flowing with milk and honey. Guys, this is just basic obedience. Here at Trinity Life, we talk about discipleship in these terms, that is hear, trust, and obey. It says they did not hear and obey the voice of the Lord. And basic discipleship isn't knowing everything in this book, although that helps a lot, and we're gonna talk about that in a second. It isn't about taking a course it isn't about uh, anything. It's, it's about hearing the voice of the Lord. It's John 10. It's Jesus saying, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. They follow it. They trust it. They love me. They love my voice. And they do what I say. And so when we talk about discipleship here at Trinity Life, it's do you recognize the voice of God? If you can grow in recognizing the voice of God, then you're growing as a disciple. Because right? there's so many things that speak to us in this world. 
right? Um, there's so many things. There's, there's movies, and there's, there's culture, there's music, there's your boss, there's your coworkers, your family, your, your cultural identity, your, your upbringing, your husband, your wife, your, your kids, your, your church, your, there's so many things, right? And, and essentially what we, would, what we say at Trinity Life is that your discipleship has to be founded on this. If you want to hear God's voice clearly, you have to know what's in this book, what's in this Bible. Otherwise, you'll never be able to hear God's voice clearly. And so many people I talk to, uh, they, they, they say, oh, well, this happened, so it must be an open door, so I'm going to walk this way, and I'm going to go through this, and they're interpreting circumstances when they don't even know what this book says about those circumstances. Because if you, if you want to know who God is, you're not going to learn about him through circumstances. You're going to learn about him through the Bible. And you have to know what this says so that you can interpret the circumstances when they arise, right? Because guess what? The enemy also opens doors. It's not just God, right? So you have to know which door you should walk through, right? So you have to know what it says here. Just, and it's just basic, it's just basic reading. And, and you have to sacrifice, right? If you want to know who God is, you have to sacrifice, Spiritual disciplines require us to sacrifice time. They require us to sacrifice Netflix. They require us to sacrifice time doing whatever else you'd want to do to spend time with the Lord in his word, in prayer, in community, uh, in serving, all, all these other spiritual disciplines. And if you can sacrifice that little piece of candy, your time, that, that show, that that uh, video game, that uh, whatever it is in your hand, if you can sacrifice that, then you may be able to see who God is and not just experience what he gives. Like that, that is our goal, right? We want to know God. We want to be in his presence. We want his presence to shape us and to form us. And so many of our hearts are hardened by things that, that have happened and we're, we're preventing that from happening uh, from us knowing God. Guys, just a quick aside, or not really an aside, but talking about circumcision of the hearts, if your hearts are hardened by unforgiveness or, or resentfulness or bitterness, or, and, and we talk about these things a lot because they're big problems. There are a lot of people's problems. It's, you can't forgive. You're just holding on a piece of candy, right? You can't let something go. You can't allow God to take it out of your hand and give you something more beautiful. Guys, here at Trinity Life, we don't care about the externals. We care about the internal. Like, I want you to experience healing. I want you to experience restoration. I want you to experience reconciliation. I want you to experience empowerment. I want you to be internally made whole, like the Spirit had always intended. And we want that for you. And that, that requires some surgery. Right? It requires some some letting go, opening of your fists. And it requires some uneasiness and some uncomfortability to maybe allow someone to help you carry that burden, Galatians 6. To allow someone to, to um, allow, allow someone to receive your forgiveness or to, or to give you forgiveness. 
right? And we need to live in that type of community where we can sacrifice for one another in that way. So we have here the people of Israel. They're now, as verse 6 says, in a land flowing with milk and honey. <laughs> funny, funny thing. I was riding with, I was taking the girls to school the other day. Um, Reagan, my 8-year-old, we were just looking out the window. She was just looking out the window, and she's, we were talking, and, and randomly she says, and if you've been around Reagan at, for any point in time, you know she says like random things every now and then. And she says, she says, uh, creamy. And I was like, okay. Uh, she's like, hey, Daddy, if you say, if, if you want to get my attention, and you, uh, the word you should say is creamy, because I love creamy things. <laughs> And it will always get my attention. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sweetie. Like, duly noted. I will say creamy. Uh, but it made me think of this because the, the promised land is, is described as creamy. Like, it's described as a land flowing with milk and honey. Like, that's really cool. And you may be like, oh, I hate milk. Or, you know, I don't like honey. It's too sweet. But guys, those are like... Um, the best of the best things back in the day, right? I mean, think about it. They're eating manna for 40 years, right? Like milk and honey, like that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And so it was their children, verse 7, whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised along the way. Verse 8, more circumcision. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until... They were healed. Guys, they, I don't know why they didn't do this on the other side of the Jordan. They were safe there. Guys, they crossed the Jordan. Remember, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I've been at that crossing. There's one crossing in present day, um, and in present day uh, Israel, Palestine, Jordan, where there's only one crossing right there, and it's directly opposite Jericho. And you can see Jericho from the Jordan River. So when they crossed, you could see Jericho. And guess who could see them? Jericho. And all of your men of war are injured. Like, they cannot move. Talk about sacrifice, right? They heard God. God told them to do this, and they did it. They didn't say, wait a second, God. We should have done it back there. Like, wait a second, God. Like, if we're... If we can't move for three days, like, they're going to come and kill all of us. They just trusted him. They sacrificed their fear. They're, like, guys, they're the complete opposite of the previous generation. They've sacrificed their fears. They sacrificed their foreskins. They sacrificed uh, their, their women, their children, their livestock. Like, the men, all of them were at risk here to be slaughtered by the inhabitants of the land. And yet they did it, and they just stayed there. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. And and basically he's saying, you're not that generation. You're a new generation. You're this generation. You are the generation to receive the blessing because you are the ones who are obeying. And it's a totally different thing. He says, Egypt, that's way back there. The wilderness, that's back there. You're now in the promised land. The reproach of Egypt is gone. 
You don't have to deal with that anymore. Guys, like, they sacrificed so much here, right? And they were out. <laughs> they were just, I mean, they, yeah, they, they were just out. Like, they couldn't do anything, and they're just waiting there for the Lord to heal them. And that's when God says, you are no longer that generation. You are now this one to receive blessing. And so the two things they did, right? So they did the circumcision act, and that, that signified the spiritual renewal, uh, but then also they celebrated Passover. So it wasn't just that they laid up to be healed for three days. They spent a week in Passover <laughs> celebrating. Nothing even happened yet. <laughs> they just... They celebrated a week of Passover just feasting and celebrating, right? In the view of their enemies. And so here in verse 10, it says, While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening in the plains of Jericho. And the way this is worded and structured linguistically uh, directly links us to the Passover in Exodus, the very first one. So it's showing here bookends to God's faithfulness that what he begins, he will accomplish, and he will finish. And they're celebrating Passover in the land. Verse 11, in the day after Passover, on that very day, on that very day, which there's significance there, we don't have time to get into, uh, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain, roasted grain. Verse 12, and the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So their temporary food that God provided for them every day stopped because they walked into the eternal blessing of the Lord. Guys, that's so beautiful. Like the produce of the land they ate out of. But in order for Israel to get here, they had to walk forward in two ways to be obedient, circumcision and Passover. And they sacrifice a lot to do those things. So for you individually in here today, what do you need to sacrifice in order to experience God and be ready to receive what he wants to give you? Sacrifice puts us in this posture to get, to receive. And what do, you need, what do you need to be ready to receive that? You know, I was asking myself that question this week. Like, God, what do I, I want to experience you more fully, God. What do I need to sacrifice in order to do that? I haven't heard an answer, <laughs> but just being in that posture of humility, of laying myself prostrate before the Lord and saying, I'll sacrifice anything for you, anything to be obedient, anything, and you can give me whatever you want to give me, God, I said that, and you can take whatever you want to take, because I know you want my best, and I want to receive your best, whatever that is. Guys, that was such a freeing posture to be in. And so this morning, be in that posture. Your pride, sacrifice it. Your, 
your unforgiveness, sacrifice it. Your sins, sacrifice it. Your job, sacrifice it. Your finances, sacrifice it. Your kids, give them to the Lord. Your relationships, God, whatever you want. Do you really want God's best for you? Ah, we try so hard to make, make something happen. Just put yourself before the Lord and receive. You'll experience him, and you'll get to experience what he wants to give you. And just be open-handed with that. Church, for us, what do we need to sacrifice as a collective body in order to do that? Missy mentioned this earlier. Our vision, 5,600 people, 560 partners, 56 plants. And I won't go into the whole vision and and detail all that again, but uh, that is, that if that's the vision, then there's gonna be things we have to sacrifice. And some of us, won't be willing to sacrifice what we have to sacrifice for that to come to fruition. And unfortunately, that might mean you may be left in the wilderness. Guys, we've had, we've had people leave our church. I mean, we're a church in Toronto. We've been here seven years, six years, our, our church has. And people come and people go, right? And it's been for a whole bunch of different reasons. But... Uh, here in the passage, a whole generation died off because they weren't willing to hear the Lord and step forward into obedience. And us as a church, we know we're stepping forward to that vision, okay? Like we're going towards that. And if you're not willing to sacrifice for that, then you may not come into the promised land with us and receive the blessings with us. But we want you to. And over the, over the years, people have decided for different reasons that they weren't ready for that. Some people, it's been because of their pride and their lack of forgiveness because some relationship shift happened and they couldn't seek restoration. And they forfeited the blessings by leaving the community. Some people, they held on to deep-seated theological preferences, not core things, just very deep, secondary, tertiary all the way down the line things, and they couldn't let go of them. Like, someone actually told me this. I can't let go of this. God wants me to have this. And I said, please, like, God wants you to have way more than that. And they couldn't let it go. And so they forfeited the privileges of the community by cutting themselves off from the community. Some people have said, oh, well, they, they came in with their typical church comforts, and they said, we want our church to look like this, but our church wasn't going to look like that. So they said, I'm sorry, we can't be part of this. And we said, we're sorry, too. And some of these people, guys, are still in the wilderness. And I don't mean they're at a different community. They're in the wilderness. They're not in a community at all because they can't find a community that fits that. They can't find a community that fits this. They weren't like this, open-handed. They were closed-handed. And God's trying to give them something beautiful, and they, don't, they, they didn't want to receive that. And guys, for us today as a church, I want us to be open-handed not closed-handed, right? There's things we're closed-handed on. It's core theology, right? Virgin birth, cross, resurrection, trinity. Um, uh, God, God, uh, Jesus is fully man, fully human. Sorry, fully divine. <laughs> fully man, fully human, fully, fully divine. There's core things we, we are not gonna let go of, right? And there's, there's some others that, that will go in there. But a lot of things we're just open-handed on, and we want to build this together. We want to do it together. We want to go towards that vision together, 
right? And we want to see that and, and move forward together because, guys, you weren't created for the wilderness. You weren't created to eat manna the rest of your life. And you're created for milk and honey. And we want you in the promised land. And we want to be there together. We want to step forward across the Jordan, step forward in obedience together. And we're, that means we're going to have to sacrifice together to have that happen. And we want that to happen too. Because when we do it together, oh, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to sacrifice together than it is to sacrifice by yourself. And so let's, let's decide together as a church to move forward together in this. Because here, in the last two verses... They eat of the produce of the land. It it repeats it three times. They ate of the produce of the land. And they ate of the fruit of the land. Three times, guys, it repeats that over and over. Missy said this earlier, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. God promises that. He says, taste it. And on Isaiah, God says, if you're willing and you're obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land, if you're willing and you're obedient. This past Halloween with our, with our girls, we, we brought all the candy back. My nieces were there too, Natalie and Avery, and they all lay their candy out, and, um, and, uh, and they're all looking at it, all those things, and it was the complete opposite of that Halloween four or five years ago. The girls were actually giving each other candy. Because someone said, oh, you didn't get that? Well, I have two of these. You can have that. Not, I'll give you that and you give me this. Here, I'll give you that. Oh, you've never tried this? Here, you can have this and you can taste it. Guys, can we be a church like that? Can we be a community like that? Can we be a people like that? Or we give freely what God's given us, knowing that the giver is going to give more. Can we be faithful in the small things like that and just give freely away? And be concerned about the other, not just about our own well-being. If we can be a church like that here, then we can be a church like that out there. And if we can be a church like that out there, then we'll see that vision come to fruition. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is, that it is true, that it is holy, that it is transformative, that it is living, that it is active, and that it cuts us, Father. But you also bring healing through it. Cut off the foreskins of our heart. Cut off the hardness. God, make us more like you, Jesus. Give us your spirit. And as we go into response, Jesus, I pray that we'd respond in sacrifice because you've said that we are living sacrifices. And so I pray that we would sacrifice today, that we'd step forward in obedience, that we would want what you want, not want just what we want, and that we would seek to experience who you are, not just what you give us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.